Jar Radio's thought for this week is called Tip of the Iceberg, and it starts with an extract from the Archbishop of Canterbury's speech in the House of Lords on Wednesday, 10th of May, during the second reading of the Illegal Migration Bill. This bill has no sense at all of the long-term and of the global nature of the challenge that the world faces. It ignores the reality that migration must be engaged with at source as well as in the channel, as if we as a country were unrelated to the rest of the world. The Archbishop of Canterbury has had a busy week following his central role in the coronation. The second reading of the illegal migration bill in the House of Lords was a backdrop for his major intervention in Parliament on Wednesday 10th of May. There has been a vigorous debate over the past few days following his robust criticism of the bill. The BBC's Question Time programme, broadcast from Bexhill-on-Sea, devoted half its time to the issue and there has been a steady flow of correspondence in the media. It's a big issue, as Prime Minister Rishi Sinak recognised when he pledged to stop the boats. But the Archbishop is correct in his analysis that the bill is trying to deal with the short-term symptoms rather than the long-term causes of migration. He identifies those causes as conflict, poverty and climate change, the same issues to which we drew attention in our commentary last week, called Democracy's Struggle with the Long Term. Migrant boats in the English Channel are therefore just the tip of an enormous iceberg, which can only be tackled by finding answers to those long-term causes. Democracy, however, really struggles to deal with long-term issues. Further to our commentary last week, I look forward to discussing the issue in Westminster during this week to explore how we might address this going forwards. For now, however, the government remains fixated on the short term, with the next general election due to take place by December 2024. It is understandable that their focus is therefore on addressing symptoms rather than causes. When you look at those symptoms, the migrant crossings, it's clear why it raises the concerns which Bexhill residents expressed during the BBC Question Time programme, particularly in relation to the impending installation of a migrant detention centre at the former North Eye Prison. As shown on the Migration Watch website, over 87% of illegal boat crossers are male, and 75% are aged between 18 and 39. Although the majority are refugees, a very small minority are families who remain in distress in the countries from which their menfolk have fled. Everyone acknowledges the part that traffickers play in this process, including Archbishop Justin, who described them as appalling criminals. But none of this changes the fact that it is the pressures of conflict, poverty and climate change which are causing most of these young men to flee their countries. And what are we doing about that? The Archbishop is correct to say, not much. Here is his speech, 
as delivered last Wednesday. My Lords, we need a bill to reform migration. We need a bill to stop the boats. We need a bill to destroy the evil tribe of traffickers. The tragedy is that without much change, this is not that bill. This bill fails utterly to take a long-term and strategic view of the challenges of migration and undermines international cooperation, rather than taking an opportunity for the UK to show leadership, as we did in 1951. There are too many problems for one speech in this bill, and uh, the uh, Right Reverend Prelates, the Bishop of Durham and Bishop of Gloucester will speak to other issues. But I hope the Government will listen to the speeches today pointing out some of the issues, including the eloquent and detailed speech by the Noble Lord, Lord Coker. The existing global conventions and agreements need updating in response to the crises we face today. While now inadequate, what those conventions offer is a baseline from which to build a globally shared understanding of what protection must be given to refugees. They are not inconvenient obstructions to get round by any legislative means necessary. Legal compatibility is a question for the learned lawyers among your lordships, but it does not require a lawyer to see that what is suggested is a dramatic departure from what was ever envisaged in international law since 1951. Even if this bill succeeded in temporarily stopping the boats, and I don't think it will, it won't stop conflict or climate migration. The IPCC (coughs) forecasts that climate change by itself, let alone the conflicts it's already causing, will lead to at least 800 million more refugees a year uh, in total by 2050. And what if other countries follow suit? The UNHCR has warned that the bill could lead to the collapse of the international system that protects refugees. Is that what we want the United Kingdom's contribution to be in our leadership? (coughs) Currently, 80% of refugees are still in the global south, protected by the poorest countries in the world. Of course, we cannot take everyone, and nor should we. But this bill has no sense at all of the long-term and of the global nature of the challenge that the world faces. It ignores the reality that migration must be engaged with at source as well as in the channel, as if we as a country were unrelated to the rest of the world. It is a siloed bill, not a whole-of-government bill. It does not draw in conflict (coughs) management and prevention, which drives migration. It does not draw in climate impacts, which drive migration and conflict. It is isolationist. It is morally unacceptable and politically impractical to let the poorest countries deal with the crisis alone and cut our international aid. Nor is there any measure in this bill for engaging with the criminal gangs of traffickers directly and offensively, 
rather than trusting simply to what appears to be the unpredictability of market forces, as if traffickers were rationally trained economic actors and not appalling criminals. There must be safe legal routes put in place as soon as illegal, unsafe routes begin to be attacked. We cannot wait for the years that will take place before that happens. My Lords, this bill is an attempt at a short-term fix. It risks great damage to the UK's interests and reputation at home and abroad, let alone the interests of those in need of protection or the nations who together face this challenge. Our interests as a nation are closely linked to our reputation for justice and the rule of law and to our measured language, calm decision and careful legislation. None of those are seen here. Long-term, globally coordinated solutions must be part of the way forward. This nation should lead internationally, not stand apart. I intend to table amendments at committee stage which encourage this longer-term thinking and collaborative focus, including a plan for combating traffickers and working with international part partners to look at updating the 1951 Convention. Nevertheless, I hope that this House will not support Lord Paddock's excellent, sympathetic and carefully put amendment. I agree with its sentiment, but I also believe that, as Lord Coker has said, it is our duty to change, not to throw out the bill. And finally, as one might expect from these benches, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus calls us to welcome the stranger. That call has been part of the history and culture in this country for centuries and was part of the drive for the Modern Slavery Act. I urge the government to reconsider much of the bill, which fails to live up to our history, our moral responsibility and our, politically, our political and international interests. As Archbishop Justin says, it is morally unacceptable and politically impractical to let the poorest countries deal with the crisis alone. And he references the United Kingdom's continuing cuts in international aid as evidence of our lack of cooperation. The answer has to be to explore and develop the long-term solutions to these causes. The challenge of climate change is being addressed well in many quarters. At Chair Radio and Chair Alliance, our contribution has dwelt mainly on tackling poverty by introducing a more egalitarian form of capitalism and resolving conflict by moving towards more effective global cooperation and governance. Voluntary organisations such as Five Talents are already very active in trying to tackle the challenge of poverty and a useful start could be made by the UK government partnering with the activities of such organisations, particularly in Commonwealth countries, alongside its effort to tackle the symptoms, that is, the illegal boat crossings. 
On top of that cut in international aid, it's interesting to note that more than 40% of Britain's development aid budget was spent by departments outside the Foreign and Commonwealth Ministry in 2022. Most of this diverted cash went to interior ministries, which increased their spending by 130% to £2.4 billion in funding the rise in asylum-seeker accommodation costs. Just as the tip of an iceberg will never disappear until its underwater bulk is dissolved, short-term symptoms will stay with us for as long as we fail to tackle the long-term causes. As Justin Welby says, there is no point in being isolationist on these issues, and it is a denial of our heritage to shrink away from international cooperation and support. We must accept that the world is becoming more integrated, and we should be at the centre of that process.